listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. This is Pharmacy Crossroads with your host, community pharmacy business veteran, the road trip guy, Bruce Neeland. Community pharmacy is at a crossroads. Pharmacy owners across the country are evolving their pharmacy businesses and making a bigger impact on their communities. Bruce talks with the most innovative community pharmacy owners, pharmacy industry experts, and people who are passionate about the business of pharmacy and its impact on community healthcare. Pharmacy Crossroads is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And now, here's our host, Bruce Neeland. And hello, and welcome to another episode of Pharmacy Crossroads. I'm Bruce Neeland, and I get to be your host. Dr. Shada Chowdhury is our guest today, and boy, do we have a a treat in store. Uh, Shadra is a pharmacy owner in Tampa, Florida, and she's doing some remarkable things around the front end in her pharmacy, and that will be our focus for today. So, Shadra, tell us just a little bit about yourself and your pharmacy, and then we'll get started. Well, thank you, Bruce, for having me. Um, I'm the owner of Palms Pharmacy. We're located in Tampa, Florida. Um, Next month will be six years we've been opened. Um, We are a a little independent concierge pharmacy. A little about myself is um, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. I attended Long Island University. I graduated with my bachelor's in pharmacy and my PharmD as well. Um, I've worked retail for about 15 years. I also worked in the mail order space as well. And um, we opened our pharmacy in 2016. But a little something about myself is that I enjoy sparkly shoes and polka dots and the number seven. That is a little bit about yourself. Sparkly shoes and the number seven. That's a unique combination. Um, Of course. That obviously qualifies you to be an outstanding pharmacist, though, right? So you interact with your patients in a delightful fashion. Speaking of delightful, I I spent a few minutes on your Web page the other day and um, you know, for some reason or another, the way you have done that videography uh, on your webpage just delights me. Your your smile at the patients and then the smile of the little boy who's uh, in his mom's arms just creates a warm atmosphere in my mind. And somebody did a good job on that. Congratulations. So the topic for today, despite the fact that you're a all farm deed up and you're running a concierge pharmacy, um, we're going to talk about the front end. And and I'm um, I'm supposing that your front end is not all that large. How big is the pharmacy? Our pharmacy, the whole pharmacy is uh, 1,800 square feet, the total pharmacy, but the front end itself is about 300 square feet. So that would not typically imply a traditional pharmacy and a big front end. And and that's beautiful for me because virtually every pharmacy has 300 square feet. So uh, talking about what you've done in 300 square feet that creates personality and generates interest in your pharmacy is going to be fascinating. I, I will tell you, 
uh, you know, first of all, I'm going to use a statistic and I love the statistic that says 50% of all statistics are made up. Um, I, I, I'm not sure that the one I'm going to use wasn't made up, but at least it conveys a, 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 a truth to me. And that is a far, a, the front end of your pharmacy might account for 5% of your sales, but it accounts for 90% of your image. And, um, and I think that's the kind of thing that we're going to be talking about today with you. Um, you know, it may not be the sales king of the pharmacy, but it sure is the place where people see and react to the atmosphere of your pharmacy. Is, is that something you would agree with? So, yes, I agree with you. The front end is uh, a small part of our business. So it's small but mighty. What do you have in it? What do you, what do you put in your 300 square feet? Well, let's back up. What did you have six years ago when you opened the pharmacy? And then share with us a little bit about the journey where you realized you needed to do something different. Okay. So six years ago, when we opened, we carried our standard front of the, you know, front end OTC items, the nice health mart uh, generics. We put, you know, as Gabe Traham says, keep three of every fast mover. So we had your basic front end similar to anything at CVS, Walgreens. Um, so it really didn't set us apart from any other pharmacy. Um, it was extremely boring. So we started adding high-end vitamins, I would say about a year into us opening. And then we started adding uh, spa items like uh, soaps and spa items. And that sustained us until COVID. And were these uh, spa items something that you had picked up locally in the Tampa area or where'd you source those? I did source them from farmers markets and on on fair, which is an online marketplace. So those are the two places that I uh, source my products at that time. So um, I would bring in local vendors and I would carry their products. So we did carry a lot of those products until COVID hit us. So as you know, with COVID, everybody had to pivot. Uh, yeah, and and that'll be a focal point in just a minute. So for the high-end vitamins and the spa items, I'm I'm assuming that you're in a upscale neighborhood. Yes, we are. And how did you try to position those or get people to purchase them? Do you do something besides just put them on the sh put them on the rack? So I apologize. Let me let me step back. So the high-end vitamins, we had a patient that came in and just asked hey, do you carry this specific brand vitamin D? We're like, oh, okay. So we did add one or two of that line. And then we did uh, a little bit more market research. And then we added another line, but we didn't add the whole line of products. So we added a couple, like five SKU items of each. And then it started growing from there. Um, we did do marketing to our uh, provider's offices. We did do Google ads and Facebook ads in regards to that we do carry these products. Those Google ads and, and stuff, was that something you were producing in-house? I mean, you or somebody on your staff uh, was had experience and figured out how to do that? Um, I would say I, myself, and my technician, we just started doing Facebook ads, Google ads on our own. And then, you know, we did target our zip code only at that time because we had no idea what we were doing as we are as pharmacists and technicians. 
we're not marketing company, but yeah, we did try it on our own until we outsourced it. And then let's get into that in a moment. So you mentioned a while ago, um, one of my favorite people in the world, Gabe Trahan. Uh, Gabe is with the National Community Pharmacist Association and kind of is the front end expert and, uh, you know, does some wonderful CE programs and writes some wonderful content for America's Pharmacist. How did you meet Gabe and tell us a little bit about what happened when you met him? So I met Gabe Trahan, um, I would say about seven years ago. I know he doesn't remember me seven years ago, but I did meet him seven years ago at a McKesson ownership workshop. Um, he did teach a couple classes um, about front end and marketing the front end. So I did learn a lot from him about signage, about colors, about uh, placing products. So that's where I did meet him. And then I did attend a couple other seminars. That's where I did meet him. But our relationship grew in regards to front end um, about uh, two years ago when we spent a lot of time redoing my front end. So we did spend a lot of time together and that's where our friendship grew. Okay. So two years ago puts us in the Beginning throes of COVID, you shut the front end, I suspect, didn't you? So so on, we did not close the front end at all during COVID. We made a pact as a pharmacy team that we were not going to close at all. So uh, we had to pivot and source products from places that nobody would imagine where we, we bought products from. Um, like we made our own sanitizer at that time. We sourced alcohol and gloves from local nail salons that were closed because they were closed and they needed income as well. So we bought their products. I love I love I love that creativity, by the way, because that was a those commodities were in short supply and you went to people who had them but couldn't use them. That's terrific. Yes. So and then our front end was booming at that time because we were selling all the covid supplies. But our uh, prescription side, our, you know, our. Our back end, uh, were, our gross profit at the back end was slimming because our, all the providers' offices were closed and our front end wasn't moving. It was just all the COVID supplies. So we, again, we had to pivot again. That was a fun time. So um, that's when we, I reached out to Gabe. But before I reached out to Gabe, I had met a certain individual before that. Yeah, you got to tell us about the certain individual. I'm impressed. So um, at that time, I was um, reading every business book, anything out there just to see how I can increase our bottom line. So I was watching one of my favorite shows, The Profit on CNBC. And uh, Marcus Lamonis, the host of the show, was hosting an Instagram live. And I was in the audience watching. And he was scrolling through the audience list. And he chose um, Palms Pharmacy. That was um, exciting at that time. It was 10 p.m. and I was ready for bed. And then all of a sudden I saw my phone lit up and he was asking, hey, Palms Pharmacy. And that was uh, very surprising at that time. Um, so then he asked a bunch of questions in regards to our business. And um, I voiced my concerns to him. And I asked him, how do I increase my bottom line? And so um, I was explaining to him how the margins and prescription margins were in the single digits now. Um, COVID had really affected us. And he said, listen, you have no control over your prescription margins because you have no control over that. The thing that you have control over is your front end. So, um, so he was like, let's change it. So he started asking me, what products do I carry? 
what does a front end look like? So he had um, given me some homework. So the homework he had given me was to ask everyone that walked through the door, what do you wish we carried that we don't? So I had to ask every single person that walked through the pharmacy that question. Um, so that's what we did for about three weeks. And um, one big thing for him was he asked me if I carried food or any candy. Because since that is a, um, what is that item? What is it called? Um, Impulse. Impulse. Thank you. That's what I was like, an impulse buy. And I said, oh, no, I do not want to carry candy because I will eat it. <laughs> so then he laughed like you did. And he said, then, he goes, then don't eat it. He goes, just don't eat it. And I'm like, what? No, I will eat it. So he goes, see, that's a, you're messing up your bottom line because you're eating your own candy. So we had homework to do for a couple of weeks until we met again. This episode of Pharmacy Crossroads is brought to you by the Independent Pharmacy Cooperative, better known as IPC. As one of the country's largest group purchasing organizations, representing more than 2,500 pharmacies, IPC is proud to support Dr. Chowdhury and hopes her comments will help you in your practice. So with these asking your patients this question, what should we stock that we don't? I mean, was this kind of a formal process? Did you keep notes and, and oh. uh, you know, have a survey form or was it just kind of ad hoc and, and loosey goosey? <laughs> Everything is loosey goosey here. But we had forms. We had, we asked them to fill out a little form or put it in a little box for us so we can just keep it uh very private. So, you know, if someone wanted something, you know, they didn't want to tell us, they could just write it down. So we did get a good amount of uh, items, which was nice because, you know, we didn't carry protein bars. We didn't carry collagen. We didn't carry weeding glasses, basic stuff. But there were some things that were off the wall, which I'd rather not say. But it was a good to know that a lot of the patients um, did participate. So that was really nice. Well, you know, it, it reminds me of something I learned quite frankly in, in college when I was getting my degree and it was the beauty of surveys and the, the, the kind of the point was, is people just like to be asked and uh, the very process of asking people a question and allowing them to contribute uh, improves their loyalty to your operation. Um, I mean, any anecdotal evidence that would it, support that comment with the people who made comments to in your pharmacy? Oh, yes. People are very proud that we now carry candy. <laughs> They're very <laughs> and, proud of that. They're very proud of that. And are you talking Snickers and M&Ms? Are you talking more box chocolates or what do you got? No, we have a higher, uh, higher end boutique candy is what we carry now. Um, and we carry honey, we carry teas now. So a lot of patients, they had a say in that. So that was very nice. And they're very proud when they do come in and they're like, see, now you carry candy. I'm like, yes, I know. Thank you. And I still eat that candy. Thank you. <laughs> um, and teas, that's a, quite frankly, I, I would have spent a year thinking and not come up with teas, but herbal teas and that kind of stuff, uh, th that's that's got a nice health connotation. Yeah, so so we carry teas and then we carry a local uh, sourced honey. So it's going to kind of go hand in hand. Um, so how about fixtures and uh, ambiance? What did you do there? Okay, so, um, so Marcus 
he suggested that we change the traffic pattern of the pharmacy. So, you know, so when a patient walks in, they just don't have a straight shot to the farm to the pickup counter. So he said, you got to make them work to get there. So we did change the traffic pattern. We did get new, we did buy new fixtures. Um, and we did change the placement of the uh, high margin items as well. So we, now we have glass fixtures. We instead before we had your basic, you know, 12 inch shelves and but now we have glass fixtures um, and it's very open now to the pharmacy. So when you walk in, you really notice um, all the items. So uh, again, for 300 square feet, that's um, an, an interesting jigsaw puzzle to move things around and find the space. I, I, I want to switch a little bit and ask a little bit about your staff. So as you're contemplating making changes, how did your staff feel about this? How did you how did you get them to participate? Of course, again, with my staff, they're like, oh, my God, what did you get yourself into now? So they did not, they did not know anything about Marcus Lamonis and his show. So they were like, oh no, now what are you on TV now? So I had to explain it, explain this to them and how, um, this was going to help us because we're not going to close during COVID. We're just going to keep going because we all have mortgages. We all have rent to pay. So let's go. So they were on board as well because they didn't want to be furloughed. So they had to put in the work as well. So as a team, they also helped uh, source products as well. So, you know, we made it uh, a team effort. So they, they appreciate it and they love how the way it looks now. And, um, and your team is how many people? Uh, we're up to 10, 10 uh, employees right now. That's something. And your compounding is a, is a big part of your business. Um, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a nice percentage. Yes. We have a compounding pharmacist, Jake, who, um, during COVID compounded sanitizers that helped us through. And now, you know, we're doing well, knock on wood with compounding. And, uh, high-end vitamins, uh, tell us a little bit about how you educate consumers on the importance of that. Um, we do have, um, seminars we do have the companies that do come out i mean they'll come out and um, host a seminar after when we close we'll close the pharmacy down and then they'll talk about the products um the company themselves but i myself will go out to the providers offices and educate them on the certain products that will go hand in hand let's just say like hormone replacement therapy and this would the supplement would be a great add-on and in addition to that vitamin d a good vitamin D will also help a patient. So I'll explain that to the providers. So like iron, iron for any patient, constipation is a huge thing. So with these high-end supplements, they do make it a little bit better for the patient. So I do educate the providers on this. I do explain it to them why it's an investment for them. So with the drug nutrient supplementation or whatever, I mean, are you doing any data mining in your pharmacy system to identify these patients and reach out to them proactively, or is it mostly countersite? It's usually countersite. It's um, also with our our ads on the internet that also helps bring people in because there's not certain there's only certain let's just say pharmacy slash providers that carry these brands, and so we'll have people that come far and away just to buy these brands. So via your social media stuff, you're 
drawing people to the pharmacy specifically for the nutritional supplements? Yes. That's that's a surprise to me. So I'm delighted to hear that. Talk to us a minute about your social media. What kind of stuff are you saying and on social media? Um, we are pretty active on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we just got on Twitter because I just got yelled at that we need to be on Twitter and TikTok. Not yet. Um, we will do that at one point. But on Instagram, we are pretty active um, after their whole Marcus Limonis great stuff with the profit. Um, they do follow us on Instagram and they do monitor our, our activity, um, which is great for us um, because they are interested in the pharmacy. So we make sure we stay active. Um, and we have a lot of posts and in regards to our products, they're new products that we do carry. So it is, we do inform our patients, say that we just got a new bath bomb. Um, we do put it out on a social media on Facebook and Instagram. So it does get patients to come in. So I, I'm going to dig deeper on this, and I'm sorry because we hadn't prepped on this at all, but for are you, would, would most of the posts be, hey, here's a product and we have it, or would most of the posts be, do you have this type of problem? You got a skin problem, you got a digestion problem, you know, come see us, we've got the, what, what's the attitude on the, on the posts? The posts are really cute and funny is what we go for because everybody has the serious posts, you know, Hey, do you have that itch? We're not that we will, we will, we always have a palm tree in, in our posts because it's, it's cute and funny, but our, we'll talk about product. We'll, we'll promote products. We'll promote our pharmacy staff. If we have a new pharmacy member, um, they're cute posts. They're not your serious posts, which we do have our serious posts. Don't get me wrong. We'll have one a week, a serious one, you know, saying allergies, that sort of stuff, but we keep it light and, you know, cause that's who we are. We, uh, we don't take ourselves so seriously. Is that, is that a bad thing? I don't know, but, um, it, it, it's absolutely not a bad thing. And, and personality is, is critical to success. I think that's one of the lessons that more of your peers need to digest and understand is that uh, it's the classic old term bedside manner. Um, you know, when, when you're running a, a, a pharmacy, it's do people like you is a critical success component. Uh, certainly you have to, uh, have the right items. You have to be in stock. You have to be priced right. You have to have a good location, all of those things, but uh, your competitors have that. So you are you unique selling proposition. And, you know, that's one of the things that's so captivating about the conversations I've had with you is uh, your passion and your lightheartedness about the, um, the, the profession that you're in is, is engaging. And that's why you've become so successful. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sorry to, not sorry to hear you say that at all. So, so front end sales go up during COVID pharmacy sales go down in COVID. We're kind of we're not out of the pandemic. We're just out of the psychological aspects of the pandemic. Are, are, is your pharmacy department now benefiting because of your front end? Yes, we have a lot more walk-in traffic now, um, but our pharmacy sales did bounce back when all of our providers' offices did open back up, but our front end was an added bonus. So when someone does come in, um, they smell 
the soaps. Um, they hear the music. They see the, you know, they see the ambiance. So we kind of hit all senses when a patient does come in. So it's like, oh, it's an added treat when they do come in to pick up their prescriptions. So the front end has boomed. Um, our sales did go up for the front end 200%, which is, a, you know, we were tracking it ourselves and we just see how um, with these little tweaks and changes that we've done, how much um, our sales have gone up. Wow, two hundred percent doesn't even doesn't even matter how low it was to begin with. That's yeah. a dramatic improvement, yeah. and and clearly some of the work word work that um, this profit guy I can't say his name <laughs> and Gabe Trahan has has paid off for you. Um, yeah. So step back into your ownership role here and the people who you meet at trade shows and events that you go to, if, if pretend for a moment that you're talking to them because you are, um, what one or two big ideas would you want to share with our listeners about the front end summarize or insert something that we haven't talked about, but kind of close this out for us with What's one or two major ideas about the front end that you think most of your peers are overlooking? Um, I would say a lot of my peers. I definitely know a lot of my peers that do not carry the high-end supplements because they underestimate their patients. They think, oh, my patients are, gonna, are not going to pay the $15, $20 for an iron tablet. I'm like, don't underestimate them because they also are taking care of themselves and they're done with paying $3, $4 for a supplement. They will pay the money for it. Even in different types of economic backgrounds, um, you cannot assume that a, a person will not invest money in themselves. So, because um, I've had friends that did invest in um, a higher end supplement and it did start moving in their pharmacy because you have to educate your staff and the patients in regards to the product and they will purchase it. And you also have to believe in the product yourself. Cause I mean, I, whatever we carry in the pharmacy, we always test out on ourselves to see if it actually works. So um, don't underestimate your patients and also talk to them. Cause that's what we did. Marcus gave us this homework and we opened that dialogue with the patients and, you know, I'll ask the patients, Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, and I'll give it, you know, I'll, Hey, I'll give them a sample. Hey, can you try this? And let me know what you think. So just keeping that dialogue with your patients and open dialogue with them, it does go so far. I'm telling you, it is amazing when you do do that with your patients. And, you know, I'll, I'll insert a couple things that I know that I've learned about that over the years. Uh, my experience is, is that most pharmacists are going to be reluctant to start a conversation uh, unprompted about uh, a nutritional supplement. So they're, you know, standing there at the counter, getting ready to give them their their prescriptions for them to start a conversation and say, Hey, you know, you might be interested in CoQ10 or whatever is typically pretty complicated for them. What, what my advice is, is twofold is number one, have signage, have promotional materials on your social media page that encourages people to ask you questions. My, my experience is, is that once a pharmacist is asked a question, they can proceed to have a decent conversation, but it's just hard for them to, to start it. The second thing that I would suggest that they contemplate is don't worry that they don't buy it 
the first time you mention it. They're going to need to go home and digest that. And it might be the third or fourth time that you have the conversation that the patient will finally go ahead and make that purchase. Um, I like to call it being pleasantly persistent. So you just keep at it. You keep adding something new. You keep reminding them. You keep asking them what they think. And and sometime soon, they'll end up making that purchase. Um, it's important. What, Go what ahead. I, I can add to that. Uh, what I tell my patients is that take a picture of the product. Do your research. I'm not telling you to buy it now or whatever. Just do your own research. If you don't feel comfortable with me selling you this or whatever the case is, I always tell them, take a picture of it, Google it, do whatever you feel comfortable with. And it's always sitting on the shelf for you whenever you need it. So, um, so then the patients will research and then they'll come back and do, they do purchase it, but they, you know, whenever they feel comfortable with it. That's a real that's a real world tip that I really appreciate, Ashada. Thank you for that. So what else? Any any last thoughts for your pharmacy friends who are struggling to make ends meet uh, that would help them think more positively about the front end? Um, I as I as I did, I go out and I I visit trade shows. I go to farmers markets. I try to find things that. CVS, Walgreens, all those lovely retail locations, they don't carry. And patients are always looking for things that are, you know, a little, okay, oh, okay, you have soaps, you have goat's milk soap, just try something different. Um, and it, it will pay off. Just try something there, just take a risk and it will pay off. Well, uh, that's good advice. I'm going to throw in at least one of my my last observations. I've been into a lot of pharmacies and and um, uh, I, I've come up with a, a little game I play of the four C's. When I visit a pharmacy, I wonder whether it's con conventional, whether it's clinical, whether it's cute and it sounds like yours is cute or whether it's crummy. And um, unfortunately, too many pharmacies fall into that crummy category. You can be conventional, you can be clinical, you can be cute, but you need to be that by design. You need to work at it. And the front end is the, the drawbridge into your pharmacy or the moat around your pharmacy and uh, making sure that it's clean and neat and orderly and that it makes a statement. You used the word ambiance a little while ago. And, and I love that it's the atmosphere, the feeling that you get when you walk into the pharmacy that can be one of your biggest competitive advantages against the big box boys and the national chains. Um, Shadi, you're terrific. Um, I hope our paths cross one day soon. I think we'll see each other in San Diego with the Independent Pharmacy Conference in San Diego. I look forward to hearing your remarks there. Oh, thank you. Looking forward to seeing you in person. Well, I think that's it for today, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pharmacy Crossroads, where our goal is to help pharmacy owners do more and be better. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Crossroads. If you're interested in talking with Bruce, please contact the show. Visit PharmacyCrossroads.com. We look forward to hearing from you.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.